for joining us again for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I am your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm super excited about this one, y'all. I always say that I'm not going to be biased. I always say I'm going to try not to be biased, but tonight I'm being biased because tonight's Servant Leader I know has a word that is coming straight from our Father himself, and he just so happens to be an international award-winning speaker. He is also an educator by trade, building better educators. He is the creator and the founder of Real Men Connect. But y'all, the best part of what I'm about to say about this brother is he's also my family. This is my big We got on Joe Martin this evening to help us celebrate the second anniversary of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. It was only fitting it was only right. So because I thank you so much just for rendering of your time. I tell people all the time, time is that one thing in life that once it's given, we can't give it back. I can't exchange it for you. So I thank you for it. I'm going to pass the torch to you for you to say hello to our listeners. And we're going to get this conversation started today. Chelsea, thank you so much, man. I, I tell you, I feel so blessed and honored to be a guest on your show. Um, we were talking before we, we came on the air that, you know, I host a podcast called Real Men Connect. Um, we target Christian men and we're the top rated podcast on Apple Podcasts for Christian men. And I tell you, we're going into year six. And so to be here to celebrate your second year um, is just amazing and awesome to me because I know how much work it requires and I know the commitment that it takes. It's a labor of love, but at the same time, it's a heavy burden because you don't know who's listening. You don't know where they're listening. You don't know when they're listening and when they need to hear that word from God and God is using you as a a vessel to get that message to them is humbling when people come up to you and tell you that your show blessed them. And I told you before you even brought me on the show, you were surprised to know that I listened to your show. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was like, you did. <laughs> so I listened to your, of course I got to listen to your show. You're my cousin. I want to know what you're doing. <laughs> and, and I love um, the, the, the niche that you're in and targeting coaches and to see it. Cause I don't get to see that side with um with um with, with coaches athletic coaches and what their faith is and everything because they're so focused on on sure. the sport itself so to me to be here tonight is just a blessing and then for you to ask me to um you said the theme as you guys celebrate your second um second year um is putting on the full armor of god full uh-huh. armor of god and as soon as i saw it i said wow this is a great topic but then of course as i dig into the word i'm thinking there's not enough time in the world to really dissect all of this. But the <laughs> guests that you've had on the show before, first of all, after I started listening, I'm thinking, I can't follow that. I can't. <laughs> Good grace, they're covering all, you know. And so I forgot that the last, the guy you sent me a, um, a link to, what was That's his name? Dennis. There's oh, Mc- he was Dennis McNulty. <laughs> and warning for, and warning for the guests out there, do not listen to something like that while you outside. <laughs> Because Chelsea, I was outside. I, I was playing. I, I, I'm in this sport called pickleball, right? Okay. It's like tennis, but it's with smaller paddles, right? Gotcha. And I'm out there playing. And I'm listening to this dude. And I'm shouting while I'm practicing and playing. And people look yes. at me like I'm crazy. I got my earbuds in. Right? 
Like, who's that fool out there screaming at you? <laughs> I tell everybody, I'm gonna have to start doing like those commercials where at the end they speed up because they don't want you to hear all the stuff and just say, right. hey, I'm not held liable for what you do if you listen to this while operating, you know, heavy machinery. <laughs> oh, but he was so good and his message was so on point. So let, let me kind of dive into it because. You know, I'm going to let the spirit lead me um, where it's going to go with this. But let me say a quick prayer before I, I jump into work. Cause I'm so, so excited because I'm asking God, God, this, 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 we talk about the arm of God all the time. Give me something, share something with me that I know that can bless uh, my cousins, listeners out there. But um, let me say a quick prayer. Holy, Holy Father, um, precious Father God, we humble ourselves before you in your throne of grace and mercy. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. Whoever thought, you know, I've known Chelsea since she was a little girl, <laughs> that you would be using her in such a mighty, mighty way. And God, to have me be part of it, I am humbled by it. God, I, I stand in your presence in awe of you because I can't wait to see today what you've already done yesterday. God, the word that you put on my heart, I just ask that you just take it and plant it in hearts and souls and minds of every person that's listening to this, whether it be live or if it be in a recorded way. God, we know that your word is powerful and it would never return to you void. So God, do what only you can do. And let's open up these scriptures the way you, and let us see another part of you that maybe we've missed before, that we can just give you all the praise and give you all the honor and glory for it. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so let, let's get into the scripture because man, I, I'll tell you, I, I started reading it and, I, and I've read Ephesians 6 so many times. And I know that I, if God wants us to talk about it, I mean, okay, I want to show you something else. You know, I want to show you in addition to or whatever. But let me, um, I'm going to read um, Ephesians 6, 10, and 17, if I can find it here. And, and then we're going to go through it. It says, finally, Paul writes, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. He goes on to write in verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the fl uh, flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, Chelsea, you introduced me, but let me kind of reiterate um, to the listeners um, who I am. When people ask me what I do for a living, I say um, I'm a certified professional man builder right and they look at me funny they say what I said no nah, that's I, I made up that title it doesn't really exist it's great for marketing though right <laughs> I said I build men for a living and I, I love when women ask me what do you do I say I fix broke men <laughs> <That's what I'm laughs> they probably like yes yes <laughs> but no but what I do but I run an organization where it's a disciple making identity restoration organization for men it's not church church is great um, I'm not a pastor. Pastors are great. Um, we're not a Bible study. Studying your Bible is great. We're not even a men's group, even though we focus and target men. But we are a, we are a men's organization focused on disciple making. 
and identity restoration. So when you mentioned this topic about full armor of God, I thought it was right in our wheelhouse because I, I want to talk about the full armor of God, but then I'm going to talk about the battle, the real battle. Because even though we know this, the, to me, the elephant in the room is why are we still losing the battle? If we are professed Christians, believers, followers of Christ, some of us, uh, we, we grew up in the church. You know, we can quote the Bible backwards and forwards, but we still are losing, quote, losing the battle when it comes to fighting this battle every day. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So I, I read that scripture to you, but I want you to know from the context in which I'm coming to you is from being a disciple of men, working with hundreds of men. Um, I mentor men. Um, we reach a lot of men. You're talking about thousands of men, hundreds in our organization. Um, and I work with a lot of them. And I see the battles that they're facing. And I know you have a lot of women listeners out here, but when a man gets it, Chelsea, everybody wins. And so that's why I kind of transitioned from education to work with men. Because if you fix the man, you fix the marriage. You fix the marriage, you fix the family. You fix the family, you change a community. And you can take over the city, you can take over the, the state, you can take over the nation and the world. And it starts with that man. So let's break this down. Now, when Paul wrote this, um, he wrote this while he was in prison. Um, he was in the custody of the Roman soldiers. And he saw, and he saw the parallel. Because I, I, I just put myself in Paul's place. And I'm thinking, you're sitting in prison. First of all, I don't know if I'll be writing what Paul's writing. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> like, get me out. <laughs> you know, I can't wait to get out. They, they, they lying on me, you know what I mean? Get me out of there. And so, but he's, he's got a lot of time on his hands and he's watching and he's watching the Roman guards go back and forth. But he noticed that these Roman guards are equipped. They're wearing armor. They're wearing their garb. And, and now I don't know, cause I wasn't there with Paul, but I'm thinking for him to write this, what was going through Paul's mind? And I'm thinking Paul had to say, wow, Hmm, I see this. Look at these. Boy, they ready. They, you think they're ready to fight. Well, nobody's in, we all locked up. We can't fight them, you know, but yet they have on all this armor and look at all the stuff they had to protect themselves and they don't really get it. What they're wearing can't protect them from the father and from judgment day when Jesus returns. So they're wearing an armor that really has no power. Man, but we as believers, I'm just, I'm projecting on Paul now. We as believers, they don't understand that we're in a war that you can't see. And you don't understand the armor that God has given us to wear. So I think he grabs that pen and he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to start writing. And he's looking at what they're wearing. He's looking at what we need to wear as believers and, and keep with us. And what I thought was interesting is I did a little bit more study on this that Paul didn't just mention this, th these pieces of armor, the six things he's talking about. It wasn't haphazardly. The order that he wrote this and put on, it's the order that in which they put on their armor. I didn't know that. I'm like, wait a minute. He didn't just come up with the, uh, the armor and say, yeah, this is important because of this. They, he actually did it in an order, in an order in which and how you put it on. And so I went back and looked through each. Okay, so why is this so important? And then I realized it's not just one united text. It's broken up into two pieces. And because there's six pieces of armor that we have to put on. 
But what I realized that we're not there for different, different purposes and they're in sets of two foot of three. And I know that sounds confusing, but I'm gonna make it make sense because it just blew my mind as I saw this. So we're, he's putting on the armor in order. And let's start with what he says. He describes a piece of armor in order that the soldiers put him on. And let's start with, he said, he describes the spiritual armor to have. He says, to have. And as I go back and I find a scripture, start with the beginning. He says, um, and I, and I underlined it here. He says, he said, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. His way starts. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Then he stops. Then he says, in all circumstances, watch this, Chelsea, take up the shield of faith. Take up the help, take put up, take the helmet of salvation, which is the word of God. He's telling us to take up. So you have the haves and then the put-ons. Okay. And so now. I'm telling it blew my mind. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I'm, this is amazing. God's word. I don't care how much you read it. He says, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Just keep digging. Just keep digging. I'm like, I thought it was weird. I'm like, wait a minute, that's nothing. And God said, no, that is something. And so let's start with the have. And I'm thinking, have? Yes. When, some, when he says have this, that means this must stay on. This must stay on. That's Ephesians 6, 14, and 15. You got to have this armor. This must stay on. That means we never take this off, Chelsea. We should be sleeping with this, okay, with this armor. Let's start with, what's the first thing that we got to have and has to stay on? The belt of truth. The belt of truth. That's knowing and standing on what we believe. You don't let go of truth. And please, I don't want to go there, but we have people who are, quote, believers who stand up for truth when it's convenient. But when it comes to being persecuted for the truth, then, you know, well, it depends. Well, everybody has, you know, it's relative to what you know, you know, you know, to each his own. No, but what does God say? There you go. What does the, what does the word say? And they're willing to not only stand on that truth, but die on that truth. Paul was willing to get incarcerated for that truth. He said, you got to keep that on. Stand, put on that belt of truth, stand firm in what you believe. John 8, 38 tells us what, and you will know the truth because the truth shall what? Make you free. Keep on the belt of truth. There's no convenient time to take off the belt of truth. Sleep in the belt of truth. Wake up in the belt of truth. Walk in the belt of truth. Keep that on. Have that. This is our foundation. I call it our foundational armor. Then he says, the breastplate of righteousness. Here's another have that we have to keep. The breastplate of righteousness. And we know that if you can imagine, I've never seen what that looks like, but, but we've seen people wearing the costumes and the, that breastplate is to protect the most vital organs that we have. The most important one being what? Our heart. It guards your heart. It keeps your heart. No different than what police officers wear when they wear bulletproof vests. That's their breastplate of righteousness. That even if they get hit, they can survive the attack. So what is, what is he referring to? It's about guarding your heart. Proverbs 4.23 tells us, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life, the issues of life and other translations. And 
we must always be diligent in watching our heart. Now, we get it a little bit confused with uh, um, keeping walls up to keep people out. No, you just got to guard what's coming in. You got to stand watch. And I think, let me see if I can go back to the scripture. He mentions this. And I love how you can keep going back to scripture and it just keeps revealing more and more to you. He says, and I saw the word, where is it? Where is it? I'm looking for it right now, Chelsea. What is it? Yeah, there it is. He says, stand firm. That's be watchful. Come on. Stand firm. You got to always be on your post. Men out there who are listening, when I disciple men, you, yeah, your family may be sleeping, but you have to be watchful. You have to stand firm. You got to man your post, be there. And so when he talks about this place of writing this, I'm thinking that, that I got to always be diligent by watchful of my heart to know what to allow in and what not to allow in. Not to be this closed, hard-hearted person, but to guard my heart with due diligence because out of it flows the issues and the springs of life. Then we get to that third component of the haves that must stay on, and that's the shoes. Now, you don't like to think that's not comfortable. You got to sleep in your shoes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Those are our battle boots. It's the gospel because you can walk in the gospel of peace. I'm thinking, okay, now, God, help me with this. Reveal this to me. Why is this so important? walking the gospel peace. He says, there's a different kind of, there's, there's a peace of knowing uh, of your hope in Christ, but then there's a peace of when you're walking with Christ. We have to have peace with God. And, and I think I heard on one of your shows or something you said, are you ready? If you went today, if you died today, are you ready? See, this, what, what dying got to do with peace? Oh, let me give you an example, Chelsea. I, you know, I, I, when I was a speaker in education, I flew all over the country. And when I get on the plane, I start praying, right? I sit in my seat and I pray. I mean, we're sitting on the tarmac and I'm praying. And I do it all the time. But this one lady, I guess she was maybe a believer because most people don't interrupt you. They don't ask you questions. They just think you're weird if they see you praying, right? And so she looked at me. She says, um, excuse me, sir. She says, were you just praying? And I said, yeah. She says, but we haven't taken off yet <laughs> right that one she she said, the plane hasn't left yet i said well i know that she said i don't understand why you're praying i said let me tell you why i'm praying i'm praying because when we do take off i don't know if we're gonna make it to our destination come on but i know one thing if the plane goes down y'all gonna be praying i'm gonna be praising come on now on my way down i said now you can choose. Do you want to pray on the way down or do you want to praise them like me on the way down? Come she said, can now. you pray for me? I said, yes, let's pray. <laughs> and and now I didn't know what I was saying to her, but it was truth because when Kobe, what happened to Kobe Brown, I know y'all, this is a basketball show. Yeah. I told my men, I said, I wish I was on that chopper with Kobe. They said, what? I said, because before that chopper took off, I said, Kobe, it's time to pray. Mm-hmm. Joe, what are you praying for? Dude, I don't know if we're going to make it. But if we don't, we're going to praise him on the way down. And I do that because, see, that's the gospel of peace that I think Paul is talking about that has to stay on. You can't get ready. You got to stay ready. You got to stay ready. That's right. I don't know if this is going to be my last day on earth. But, Chelsea, what a way to go out on the second anniversary of the servant Come leader. That's Come what they remember. Now. Don't cry for me at my funeral. I, I had a wonderful time. And you know that, man, he died in peace. 
in peace, knowing I represented the king. To me, I, now I see why I got to sleep in my boots. I see why I got to stay in God. Not only peace with God, peace with yourself. Mm-hmm. Peace with yourself and peace with other people. Are your relationships right? Are you still harboring unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart towards people? Have you forgiven yourself? Or are you still condemning yourself? Are you still harboring uh, harboring anger towards somebody else who's done you wrong? You can't have any peace if that's in your heart. Chelsea, I know you have a testimony. You've had had to go where you've had to think, man, I might be facing death. So have Mm -hmm. I. And when people ask me, how did that feel when you had to face that? I said, you know what I feel? I said, I always ask, why didn't God take me then? They said, Mm -hmm. what? I said, because I was ready. I said, now here's the scary thing. Now that I'm still here, I got to stay ready. That's right. right. And I got to stay ready every day because I found out every day ain't the same. That's right. And so I was ready yesterday, but am I ready today? That's it. Will I be ready tomorrow? That's the gospel of peace. We got to have that on. Now, these other three, the second set of three, it's not that they're less important, but Paul is telling us with this, no, that must stay on. This next one, these next three, you got to put this on. Come on now. You got to take this up. And you know that it has to be important because he said, let me go back to the word. What did he say right here when he was introducing these three? This is what got me. He says, in all circumstances, take on this, put on this. Uh-oh. Now, why didn't he say that in the beginning with the other three? No, because that no, when you put that on, you got to keep that on. <laughs> but with this, you got to put it on. Take No, you got to make a conscious choice to put this on. Now, you say, man, what are these three things? I know the government. So what is it that he's telling? The shield of faith. Pick up that shield. That shield of faith. And that's to protect us from the fiery darts of the enemy. But let's make it more real. We got to pick up that shield, what are we fighting against? Fear, unbelief, lies, our emotions. Now, this makes sense. Why did he ask us to take up that? Because guess what? You ain't walking around miserable all day. Sometimes you may be having a great day, then all of a sudden you get a bill. You see what I mean? <laughs> everything going fine until everything going fine until you met that that checkout person at the Walmart. <laughs> then you got to pick up your face, pick up your shit of faith. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Get behind. Me. I can see why you said, "Oh, you got to take that up." Because sometimes you you think everything's smooth. You still you still got walking in your gospel of peace because you know you guaranteed to be in heaven. You got God's word in your heart. You got in your breastplate to rise. You don't protect your heart. Now, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something hits you unexpectedly, and you want to cut somebody out. Wait a minute. <laughs> what just happened? I'm spiritual, and I want to now choke you? What, what's going on? Pick up that, that, that faith, that, 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 that shield of faith to fight against the fiery darts of the enemy. And really, fear is at the root of all of it. We're afraid something unexpected is going to happen, something that we don't want to see happen, something that's going to take something from us. But 2 Timothy 1, 7 tells us what? God said, I did not give you a spirit of fear. Come on. But power, love, and self-control, and other translate, a sound mind. Don't you lose your faculties right now. Pick up that shield of faith. Because guess what? If you're picking up that, that's what he's getting you ready for a fight. 
if I got to pick this up, why am I picking this up? Because the enemy is now attacking. But I got my boots on. I got my belt on. I got my breastplate on. So wait a minute. I got to pick up my, where's my faith? <laughs> Let me pick that shield up. Now, because I get around, get ready to fight, because guess what I got to put on now? My helmet of salvation. I got to put on my helmet. Guess what? You can't sleep in your helmet, <laughs> but, but you got to put it on. You got to put on your helmet. You got to pick that. That protects us in our mind against what? Discouragement. Feelings of hopelessness. The desire to give up. Chelsea, there got to be somebody that can relate to what I'm talking about right now. For sure. I can. You're going smooth and all of a sudden you get discouraged. Man, you just want to give up. You want to throw in the fight. Man, you're feeling helpless and hopeless and worthless. And it's just a feeling. God calls, calls us believers, not feelers. Yes, we are to feel what we feel, but we're not to walk in what we feel. We walk by faith, not by sight or by feelings or the senses. We walk by faith of what we know is true. We walk by what we know. And a helmet of salvation protects us from the discouragement, the hopelessness, the giving up, the quitting, having that assurance that we're not only saved by God, that we will be saved from whatever situation that we're in. Because our victory through Jesus Christ guaranteed that. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a position of victory. We're already walking in victory. And this is the enemy. The reason why we're wearing this helmet of salvation because the enemy is trying to attack our what? Our minds. What we think. That's how I'm going to attack you. See, it's not those Roman guards that, that Paul saw here. They don't get it. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. We're fighting a different battle. So we got we to gotta wear the same arm, but our armor has a different purpose than theirs. And this helmet of salvation is so critical. So critical. Second um, Corinthians 10, 4, 5 tells us, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion. They ain't a bullet. That's not an ax. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's not a gun. Opinions. What is an opinion? A thought. So we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought, what? Captive. And we make it obedient to Christ. Different kind of war we're fighting. Now, if Paul was explaining this to the Romans, they were like, what's this fool talking about? How's an opinion going to hurt you? How's a thought going to hurt you? The wrong thought? that you decide to believe, what you decide to come in agreement with. But we got to take those thoughts captive and make it obedient to Christ. And we, heard, and we all know Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your what? Your mind. That by testing you, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we, now we have these two things that we have to take up and put on. We got our shield of faith. We got to pick that up. We got to put on our helmet of salvation. And then guess what? You got to pick up the sword or pull it out the shaft. The sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. The scripture tells us it's the word of God. And it's our only offensive weapon. 
that we have, the physical weapon that we have, it's God's word. And Jesus showed us how to use God's words as a weapon, didn't he? His weapon, uh, that was Jesus' weapon of warfare and when Satan tempted him in the wilderness. I always uh, joke with our men. I said, when they tell me they're going through a season or a hard time, that kind of thing. I said, so let's see what Jesus did. I said, so when Jesus was going through his worst in, in, in the wilderness, I said, how many guns did he have? What, what, how many bullets did he have in his chain? What, what, what was, what was his, where was his bat? Where was his, where, where was his knife? What did he have? They said he didn't have anything. I said, what did he have? He had the word of God. Come on. And he had everything he needed to defeat that enemy. And I love how Jesus combats enemy. And I said, boy, we can adopt this phrase. It will set you free every time. You don't have to know a lot of scripture. Let's say you don't even read the Bible that much. You just know a handful of scriptures. Just put this in front of it. But but God says, but God says, come on, then, then make up something. <laughs> but God said, he loves me. But God said that he cares for me. But God said, we win. I read the end of the book and we win. But you got to put that but God in there. And Jesus did that. The enemy comes at him. But the word of God says, this is Jesus, but the word of God said, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, you notice I am not mentioning what, what the devil did. I'm not mentioning what the devil said to Jesus. I'm just saying what Jesus said back. But God says, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. But what did, but Joe, I didn't read that part of the scripture. What did the devil say? It don't matter. What matters is what Jesus said. And the second time when the devil comes at him, but the word of God says, this is Jesus said, but the word of God says, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. But just, but what did the devil say? Who cares? But what did Jesus say? What was Jesus' response? The third time he comes at Jesus, but the word of God says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Only him shall you serve. But John, but, but what, did, what, did, what did the devil do in that? It don't matter. But what did Jesus do when he was at his, his lowest moment, his weakest moment, when everything was in the balance, when he's now is being tempted by Satan? He combats him with the sword of the spirit, the word. Man, if there's no reason to read the scripture, if the only reason you read the scripture is to put bullets in your chamber, to be ready. But guess what happens? We, we, we got the gun, but we have no bullets in it. Mm, talk now. And the enemy ain't scared of that. But once you point that thing, you said, but God said. Here's the great thing about it. You point that, that, that gun, you don't have to pull the trigger. Just say, but God said. But God said. But you know what the problem is? We spend more time listening to the enemy instead of speaking back to him. And that's our problem. He's talking. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I, I told you that when, I, when you, you assigned me this, that this is what I want you to talk about. I said, but there's an elephant in the room. And the elephant is, 
all these Christians, all of us believers, my brothers and sisters in Christ, why, why are we looking so defeated? Well, if we got, if we have this, we have the same spirit in us that that Jesus had. Why are we suffering so much? Seem to be suffering so much defeat. Why do we seem to be struggling so much? Why do we seem to be losing? Why does the world looking in thinking, wow, they call themselves believers and man, I'm doing better than they doing. And they're thinking, man, you want me to believe in what you're believing in, but only thing different to me and you and how we're living is that you go to church and I don't. Why are we seem to be losing? And to me, that's the elephant in the room. And I think because we don't know about the real battle that we're facing. See, most of the battles that we face is not where we think it is. It's not on our jobs. It's not in our homes. It's not even in our relationships. It's not the economy. It's not society. Joe, what do you mean? I'm, I'm being beat down by this every single day. No, see, that's why we're losing. Because we're focused on where we think the battle is out there. And Chelsea, I alluded to it earlier. The battle is in here. It's between our ears. It's our mind. That's the battlefield. The, The battlefield takes place in our minds. Because the enemy, Satan, knows if he can control what you think, he can control what you do. Come on. Man, if somebody can get what I'm saying, I don't care what's happening to you in the flesh and it's real. It hurts. It's painful. It makes you cry. But understand this, this suffering is just temporary compared to what awaits us in eternity. So really, if we're suffering, especially for righteousness sake, then we're suffering with Christ. Christ wasn't spared suffering. So how did he maintain? How did he not come down from that cross? How come he did not choke a brother? How come he didn't cut somebody out? How could he do it? How could he do that? Unless he had the mind of God in him. He and God was on such one accord. He thought like the father. He spoke like the father. He acted like the father. And he says, that spirit now lives within you. The battle will always be in our minds. That's why my family hates when I talk about death, Chelsea. I talk, Penny hates it. My sister hates when I talk about death because I ain't afraid of it. I am not afraid. I can't wait for Jesus to come back. But while I'm here and I'm still breathing, I'm going to make the devil mad. Because, yeah, you can bring it. I lost seven people in 2019. The seventh one was my mom on Thanksgiving Day, Chelsea. And everybody's waiting for me to fall apart. No, I'm crying and I'm weeping, but guess what? You, you want to know why I'm not falling apart. You need to be asking me who's keeping me, holding me together. Come on now. See, if my mind wasn't right, if I tried to fight this battle in my flesh, then guess what? I am my mama, mama, mama. Oh, mama, take me, Lord, take me. But every time that enemy tried to say, but your mama, why you had to take her on Thanksgiving Day? Mm -hmm. 
Why? Man, come on now. Your mom was only 66 years old. Come on now. You don't think that's a little bit early? But man, I said, God, I know this in my mind. And God said, God, I'm speaking, but God, you said that, that, that joy comes in the morning, that, that crying only endure, you endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And Chelsea, every single time the enemy would try to say, but your mom is gone. Guess what God would do in my mind? Show me my mom in heaven. Mm, come on. Oh, Chelsea, to the point that I start getting jealous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, mama. I said, oh, and I start talking. I said, mama, mama, I'm jealous. You ain't feeling no pain. You ain't got to deal with this crap here anymore. And I tell my son all the time, he said, don't you? He said, man, I miss Grandma Rose. I said, Kendall, I said, I said, if you gave her a million dollars, she wouldn't come back. And neither will I. I said, Grandma loved you. Love us. Right now, you couldn't offer enough money for her to come back here. She wouldn't do it. Cause when you get a taste of that, bro, <laughs> nothing else is going to compare. Again, the battle is in our mind. I miss my mom every day. But when I get my mind renewed, I rejoice every single time. So you know what I found out? The devil, he stops trying to use that against me. He said, man, that ain't working. I keep thinking if I keep reminding him of his mama, he'll get depressed. He won't start praising God anymore. No, every time I do it, he keeps praising God. I need to, I need to find something else. So, and this is what I want the listeners to understand. Even though the earth is Satan's domain, he has no real power. Oh, they got to hear me on this, Chelsea. He has no real power. Here's the power that he does have. The only power that the enemy has is the power of suggestion. He talks. Come on. What did he do to Jesus when Jesus was in the wilderness? Did he put his hands on Jesus? Mm-mm. Did he punch Jesus? Mm-mm. Did he trip up Jesus, try to trip him? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what did he do? He kept talking to Jesus. That's it. That's all he does. When you think about it, if you sit here and think about it, he is a punk. He's that bully that can't really fight. So all he can do is talk. But the thing is, what I tell you, our problem is we do too much listening to him. Come on. Instead of talking back to him. So he has no real power. He has no real power. So what are Satan's weapons with his mouth? I call it the, the uh, I call it, you know, they said the WMD's um, um, weapons of mass destruction. This weapons, I think his weapons are weapons of mass deception. Come on now. That's his power of suggestion. And if you want to peep, um, peep out the devil's schemes, it's very easy. Because he's a deceiver, he's going to use three weapons. He will use them over and over and over again when it comes to his mouth. And here they are. One, accusations. Accusations. And the Bible tells us in Revelation 12, 10, he's an accuser of the brothers. And here's how it comes across. And you guys start recognizing now when I said. Who do you think you are, Chelsea, with your little podcast? And girl, I know, see, they don't see what you do when you ain't on the air. I know what you did last night. I know, I saw that fight you had with your husband and what you called him. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. He's an accuser. I know what you did last summer. 
and you know, and you know, and I know, Chelsea, you are guilty on all charges. Mm-hmm. You ain't innocent, girl. What does that sound like? Accusations. Accusations. Yeah. And guess what? He's absolutely right. But God said, "Come on now." <laughs> there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But God said anyone who's in Christ, he is a new creature and all things have been made new. Keep talking, devil, because I got a lot to say back to you. Accuser of the brethren. So accusations, that's how he runs his mouth. Also, he does it with distractions. Distractions. He destroys whatever he can distract. He wants to distract you from your purpose. From God's presence in your life. From you expanding God's kingdom here on this earth. That's why he doesn't want you to do this podcast. So let's see what I can do to distract Chelsea from doing this. Hmm. So, well, I know, what I, I know what I'll tell her. Well, let me ask you this, Chelsea. Because they might go back to Adam and Eve. What did the serpent do? Talk. Did God really say? <laughs> You're not going to really die, are you? You know, I got to tell you this, Chelsea. My, when Kendall was younger, um, we were reading that story, and I was breaking. We were breaking down the story, and Kendall had to be about ten or eleven years old at the time. And I love children because they're so pure. And we're reading Adam and Eve's story, and I never heard any Christian say this. And I'm like, Kendall, I'm still in there. He says, "Daddy, I got a question." He said, "When Adam and Eve was in the garden." And the, um, the serpent is tempting Adam and Eve. The snake is tempting Adam and Eve. I, I don't understand. What I, I want to know from Adam, well, Eve and Adam, why are y'all talking to a snake? A snake don't <laughs> want to be talking. <laughs> like that, right? right. I, I was laughing. Right? I laughed. Kendall said, Daddy, why are you laughing? I said, Kendall, out of the mouth of babes. That's it. He said, Daddy, if it was me, I was like, ah! A snake is talking. He don't want to be talking. And I would have ran away. <laughs> he said, why is she talking to a snake? I'm like, Kendall, that is a great question. Why are you talking to a... Basically, it wasn't talking to a snake, listening to a snake. That's right. Why are you listening to a snake? So he's going to bring distractions. And he does this in subtle ways when it comes to distractions. And he'll tell you stuff like this, Chelsea. Okay, why are you working so hard on that podcast? You don't take all that. girl don't hey you don't have to go that deep you don't have to be that spiritual you don't take all that chelsea little distractions because he knows what god's best for you but he wants to distract you with what is feels good to you not what's best for you what feels good to you oh chelsea oh see chelsea you know what take a day off you deserve it (laughs) Hey, get, I'm sure they'll listen to somebody else's podcast. He will, he will say stuff like that. Hey, Chelsea, do you know, and this goes into the third one, discouragement. He's got discouragement. Nobody ain't listening to your podcast. <laughs> There's over <laughs> 2 million podcasts out there. You ain't the only one. What difference is your podcast going to make on anybody's life? Come on now. Doesn't that sound discouraging? Discouragement. And so he would do whatever he can to discourage us. Now, he'll tell you, don't bother, don't try, nobody cares, but you got to keep pressing and pressing on. You know, John 10 tells us that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But 
I ask God, God, what is he coming to steal? What is he trying to kill? And what is he trying to destroy? And I truly believe that the enemy comes to steal your identity in Christ. He comes to kill your relationships that you have with other people. Because he knows if he can steal your identity, kill your relationship, he will destroy your legacy and what you're remembered for. And see, that's the real battle, Chelsea. We have to fight for our identity. Every time we get up in the morning, when your feet hit that floor, that's why you got to have your boots on. Because he's going to try to steal your identity and tell you what you're not, telling tell you what's going to happen, telling you you should be worried, anxious for everything. Because he's trying to steal your identity so he can kill your relationship because you're stressing out other people and your relationships are being broken. So if you do die that day, that's what you're going to be remembered for. And that's not the legacy that I want to leave behind. And I'm sure none of your listeners want to leave that behind either. So what I would tell you is you want to make sure that you keep on your helmet of salvation, keep it on tight, put it on tight, make sure it's strapped up. So you're ready for battle every single day when he comes to attack your mind. And I will give um, three bits of advice on how to do that. Simple advice, acknowledge the lies you believe about yourself, those accusations. Write it down so you can dispel each one of them. What lies are you believing from the enemy that you know does not come from God, but comes from the enemy? And what word can you speak against those lies? So you'll be equipped. That's you guarding and protecting your mind with the helmet of salvation. And please, if they don't hear anything I say, never say or call yourself anything that God doesn't call or say about you. Please, my beloved, my brothers and sisters out there, stop it. Stop calling yourself and saying stuff about yourself that God doesn't say. Because what you come in agreement with has power over you. And if you come in agreement with God's word, that's going to rule your life. But if you come in agreement with what the devil says about you and what you say about yourself, that's going to have power over you. And also, you're making the devil's job a lot easier. Why does he have to condemn you and accuse you and distract you and discourage you if you're doing it to yourself? Amen. And so never say or call yourself anything that God doesn't call or say about you. And if you don't know what to put on the end of those lies, let me give you a few things. When he tells you, starts accusing you or calling you things that doesn't line up with God, tell him, but God says, I'm his adopted. God says, I'm his anointed one. God says, I'm his beloved. God says, I'm his blessed one. God says, I'm his child. God says, I'm his chosen one, that I'm holy and I've been set apart. God says, I'm redeemed. God says, I'm his righteousness through Jesus Christ. God says, I'm his servant. I'm his servant. You don't have to quote scripture for that. Just say what God says about you. Remind yourself what God says about you. And guess what he promises in his word, Chelsea? When you do that, that's resisting the enemy. Oh, I love this. He said, and when you resist the enemy, he will flee from you. Come on now. Now, you know what's funny about that? He didn't say run from the enemy. He says, when you resist him, you got your sword, you got something to fight with, he's going to flee from you. Whoa, he is a punk. Mm -hmm. He is a bully. He's running from me. 
because he knows that it's not you he's afraid of. He's afraid of that word. He's afraid of the truth. He's afraid of that spirit that is in you. He don't mind us going to church. He don't mind us going to Bible study. He don't mind us singing in the choir, serving in church. Just don't walk in that word. Just don't believe that word. Don't make that word part of your life. Don't put on that armor. Don't you don't use that sword. I'm good. Y'all can do whatever y'all want to do. Just don't don't walk in that word. Don't obey that word. Because he knows more of that word than we do. The only difference between us and him, we we choose to obey God and he choose not to to rebel against God. But I said there was three bits of advice I would give. Acknowledge the lies that you believe about yourself. Write them down. Never say or call yourself anything that God doesn't call or say about you. And here's my third one. Prepare yourself to battle for your identity every single day. Expect it to be a battle. And this is what I do to prepare myself for battle every day. One quiet time with God. I ain't talking about church on Sunday. I ain't talking about reading the devotional. A devotional is somebody else's quiet time with God. I'm talking about you can write your own devotional based on your relationship with God. When you read his word and you ask God questions and you get quiet and listen, that's why they call it a quiet time. You got to shut up and let God speak to you. Ask God, well, Joe, I don't know if God really listening to me. I don't know if I can hear God. Oh, you, I can tell you, you can hear God talk all the time if you ask the right questions. Ask God this question. God, I just read your word. What sin do I need to confess? Guess what he ain't going to say? No, you good today, nothing. <laughs> God, who can I bless today? He ain't going to say, nobody. God, who can I serve today? I can't think of anybody for you. God will always talk to you if he has an obedient heart ready to receive what he has to say. So spend time in the word of God, quiet time. I call that communion with God. Commune with him. A relationship isn't just going to church, just reading your Bible, um, praising God. That sounds good. But Chelsea, I can't have a relationship with you as all I do is read about you, brag about you, sing about you, learn about you, and join a bunch of other people who are praising how great Chelsea is. It's not until I can learn your heart mm-hmm. and listen to you. Understand what can it take for us to get closer together? What is keeping us apart, Chelsea? What is standing between us? This is what I'm asking God. Because I want a real relationship with him. So I got to know what is hindering me from having a closer relationship. Now, now I'm communing with God. I'm asking God questions. God, what sin do I need to confess in my life? God, what attitude in my heart do I need to change? God. God, what sin, what, God, what, what, what lie am I believing in the enemy that I need to dispel, God? God, what, what command do I need to obey here, God? What is a great example other than Jesus that I can follow here, God? God, what is it that I do that's most pleasing to you about me, God? What, I'm asking God questions, and I'm listening, and I'm journaling, and I'm writing what God is speaking to me. And guess what I have, Chelsea? A devotional. Now, if I put a price tag on it, y'all abide in the store. And then tell me that's your quiet time. No, it ain't. That's my quiet time you're reading about. (laughs) Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not against devotionals. I'm saying God bless them for writing it. That should inspire you to write your own. That's right. Write your own. You'll be shocked what God has to say to you. And I love it. You know what I love about, about that quiet time with God in the morning? Because when he gives you, when he tells you what he has, the pastor didn't give you that. Mm-hmm. 
You ain't gonna hear a preacher talk about that. That's a rainbow word for you. No, yeah. and then I tell you that you get excited because you're thinking, well, I got to tell somebody. <laughs> God just told me. Yeah. I'm coming on here talking about this because guess what? I commune with God, Chelsea, when you told me this was the scripture. So I said, God, open this up to me. Let me see what you want me to see. Then I was excited about coming on the show and telling everybody about it. That's what it's about. So this is how I pray. So quiet time with God, that's communion with God. Then meditation on his word. What is it? Joshua 1, 8 that tells us that these the words, yeah, let these words, don't let the, don't let the word depart from your mouth. Meditate on it both day and night to be mm-hmm. careful to do everything mm-hmm. that it says. And you will be prosperous and successful. Meditate on his word. To me, quiet time is communion with God. Meditation is confirmation from God. Mm-hmm. Because his word reassures you. Let that word be planted in your heart. Put it in your heart. He tells us in Deuteronomy 6, he says that to talk about it when, when you're walking, when you're at home, when you're walking on the roadside, when you're going to bed at night, when you get up in the morning, meditate on that word both day and night. So you be careful to do everything that is written. Meditate on that word. And the third thing is support. Communion with God is quiet time with God. Confirmation from God is meditating on his word. Community with God's people. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. I told you we got hundreds of men in our organization. And people said, Joe, you just seem so confident. I said, no, I'm not self-confident. I'm God-confident. I said, let me tell you why I'm God-confident. Because the weight of this world, I don't have to do it by myself. I say, what you see is my God confidence, but you don't see all the spotters God has put in my life under that bench press machine. When I'm on that bench press, guess what? When I lift that weight, I get a little bit weak. I say, guys, I need your spot. And trust me, one person is good at spotting you, but what if you got hundreds spotting you? That's why seven deaths in one year didn't crush me. I had the word of God in my heart. I'm spending time with God consistently. And I had my community of brothers around me supporting me. So you have to have support. And Chelsea, I know I've already gone longer than I probably should have. But I tell you, I want to close with something that's proprietary. It's, it's within our community. But for that person out there who is, it touched their heart. And they're saying, wow, I really want to believe this. Man, I really, man, I really want to walk in that victory. I want to walk in that gospel of peace, man. I want to have, I want to know I can fight the enemy and the lies that he tries to tell me. This is how, I remember I told you our ministry is an identity restoration discipleship ministry. Well, that I just told you about what, how we disciple men, but that identity restoration comes with this. We have something that we recite every time we come to our meetings. And I challenge men, they hate me for it because I'm like a teacher because my background is education. And I always tell, I say, I know you know, but how come you haven't memorized it, right? <laughs> and I get on about, I say, you need this. And they get mad at me. Oh, Dr. Joe, man, come on, man. I said, dude, I know it. You need to know it and believe it. And when I tell you what it is, you're going to see why I get on my guys so bad about this. I'm going to recite it to your listeners, but I'm going to pretend I'm God speaking it to them. And boy, Chelsea, I hope it blesses somebody out there. This is private it. stuff in our community, but I'm letting out to the public. I love and it. I want the listeners not to hear Joe Martin's voice. This is what God is telling you when it comes to putting on this full armor 
and you knowing who you are in Christ so you can win to know not what people think or what people say, but what he says you are in his son. This is God speaking to you. My beloved child, you are powerful because my spirit lives within you. You are valuable to me and I can prove it because I sacrificed my only son just for you. So when I look at you, my beloved, I don't even see your sins. I see the righteousness of my son, Jesus Christ, not your sins. So when you come to me, come unashamed because I consider you blameless and I call you holy, set apart. Listen to me, my child. This is your new born again identity in my son, Jesus Christ. So as I renew your mind, according to my truth, not your trauma, not your past, not your pain, not your mama, not your daddy, not your environment, not your financial situation, not your bank account, not your ex, not your kids. When I renew your mind according to my truth, my child, I will give you the grace to live, to love, and to lead righteously, my child. Any questions? Now you see why I asked our men to memorize that. Because if they believe that, Chelsea, what weapon will ever prosper against them? And here's the problem, Chelsea. We want to believe it. It sounds great. Why won't I believe it? That's the battle. And Chelsea, the only difference between what they're hearing from me and believers like me and you is that we actually believe it. And I, one of my guests said this, and i never forget it. Oh, it just wrecked me. I said, if we know the word and we know God's truth, why are we living defeated lives still? He says, Joe, because the truth of the matter is that the church is filled with unbelieving believers. Wow. Wow. And Chelsea, that's a drop the mic. Unbelieving believers. If we believe that real men reality, we ain't got a problem. There's nothing that can come against us. Why? Because we're powerful. We are valuable. We are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're unashamed. We're blameless. We're holy. This is our new born again identity in Christ. And he gives us the grace to live, to love, and lead righteously. Do you know that's only six sentences that covers about 40 verses in the Bible? Talking about weapon of war, talking about a sword, that's your sword. That's my sword. That real men reality. So I'm hoping that something I said, Chelsea, blesses the audience. And thank you so much for letting me <laughs> two year anniversary. For this podcast. I am so blessed to be on here. And I, I, I hope this message was worthy of a two-year anniversary. Listen, it is not a hope. I'm telling 
and assuring you that it was. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't care if you went 10, 15. <laughs> we listen and we get it because here's the thing. It is always a God thing. I'm always reminded of servant leader, Sherrod Johnson. Uh, shout out to him. He always says, he said, things start out as a God idea, but oh, what happens when we allow that God idea to transcend and become a God thing? Oh so yeah. yeah. start things, there are God ideas. Then what do we do? We shift off into our own agenda. But mm. when you move forward and push and move his agenda forward and say, here I am, send me, we get two years. And so that's what your message did tonight. You know, and I think the blessing of it all is, and so right now we're, like you said, when you were talking about that, that when you said, all right, this is what she wants to speak on. Christ gave that to you because he knew already who would be listening. Mm -hmm. Already when it graces the podcast, who will be listening and who needs to hear that word. I tell people all the time, that's why we can all go to a church that we've maybe never heard before. And we think that pastor talking to me. He's actually being the mouthpiece, as I say, and God knows what you need to hear. And that mm. is what you did tonight. So I appreciate you so much for that. I truly do. You know, Thank you, cuz. I appreciate you. Mark 9, 24, I tell my girls this all the time, you know, when it speaks about the man and he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. So when you said that at the end, I'm like, yep, right on time. And, and, I, and that is the deepest prayer that I, I feel that myself and everyone should have. It's just help my unbelief because it's there and he knows it's there. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, because you're going to have to send that to me. I know that's proprietary. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll text I, you. I, we, I actually send it our men to memorize. I'm going to text it to you. It's on a you post. You text it to me. And let me tell you something. You don't have to ask me. Give me a few days, okay? <laughs> tomorrow, but I got Hendrix now. So just give me a few days and I'm going to have that thing. But it's so powerful because here's the thing. It, it, it pulls full circle everything that you talked about tonight. Mm-hmm. I'd say. People that know me and listen to me all the time, they know I love Christine Kane. I love Joyce Myers. And she said mm-hmm. time, she's like, you know, here's the thing. Think about being a parent, right? And we instill things all the time. You know, I'm starting to do that with Hendrix, even though she didn't talk back yet. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right. But you know, your mom is on here. And so all the things that she says, it says, when we ask for things, you know, your parents tell you, we'll see. They know at what point and what time they're going to give it to you if they're not. A lot of times as kids, we say, you say, we'll see. That means no, mm-hmm. but what Joyce Meyer says, she says, but here's the thing about God and we being his children. When we say God says, it's a pride in him that starts right. out. And sometimes that blessing that he planned on giving later, it's like, <laughs> okay, it's like you kept asking your mama for a pair of shoes. You know, mama, please, I want these shoes. You know, I want these shoes. We'll see, Chelsea. Just do what I asked you to do. All right. But then you start taking out the trash. I start hearing you on the phone saying, well, my mama say I need to study. So I'm, and my mama say I need to make sure I get good grades. No, I can't do that. So my mama say, girl, she done made me proud. Let me get down to this mall and get those shoes. And that is how God works. When mm-hmm. he to hear us declare the very things that he's taught us, when he starts to hear us go through things and know that we're still walking and trusting and believing in his word, that is when he says, you know what? Let me go ahead. Let me, let me bump up this time interval right yeah. here. Blessing for them. And I appreciate you so much for just tearing that down one by one, explaining that the have the have ons versus the put ons. Because I'm telling you right now, it was a way that I've never heard it before. I, I, you know, when I was, I didn't, I, I said, "Wow, God, thank you for reveal." I said, "I didn't see." I thought I was crazy. I'm like, "But let me." And I said, "I did a little bit." So I said, "Wait a minute, there is a rhyme or reason to that." I, said, I didn't see mm-hmm. that before, and yeah, yeah, I saw it. Wow, it's you know, I'm reminded of. Um, Pastor Dennis, my brother Dennis, who uh, came on last uh, Monday night, um, mm-hmm. 
heard. And he always speaks about this and then also the um, fruits of the spirit. And he said, English majors, you will be upset about this, but understand the fruit of the spirit is not plural. It is singular. You don't pick and choose. And Mm. the form of God is the same way. You can say it's plural, but it's not (laughs) English and let you know that it is singular. You need it all. So tonight I love it. The have-ons and the put-ons, because regardless of the category, you need it all. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Amen. 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 Thank you. I love it. You, I love it. Before we close, mm-hmm. I you to do this for me. Two things. One, there is somebody that we talked about knowing our identity. Right. And for this to be true, we can't know who we are unless we know whose we are. Right. For that person that does not know who they are because they don't know whose they are. Can you just say a simple message to how easy it is to step out before him in spite of what I've been through, in spite of what I've done, he still wants me. Can you just do that for that person that's listening out there? I know they're there. Do that for me before we get out of here tonight. Most definitely. um, Romans 8, 38 um, breaks it down for us that nothing, neither height nor depth, um, angels or or powers that be, anything in God's creation can separate us from the love of Christ. And I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what has been done to you and who did it. You are God's child. You were his child before you became your mother's child, your dad's child. And he wants you. He desires you. And what I love about God, and I'm hoping the person out there listening can understand this. You know, Chelsea, you, you, you're, you're a new mother. And there's nothing you wouldn't do for Hendrix. Nothing. Nothing you wouldn't sacrifice. Nothing you wouldn't give. And here's the beautiful thing about and there's And she doesn't even know it yet. Right. There's nothing she can do to stop you from loving her. She may even try. And we have tried to separate ourselves from the love of God. But even our own children, she can't do anything. My son and my daughter can't do anything to stop me from loving them. And I, my daughter, I asked my daughter one time, I said, how do you know that I love you? She says, because every time I think I've blown it and I think this is the last straw. And now she's, my, she's not my biological daughter. So she's thinking, I can break this off any time. She said, the fact that you never stop loving me. And Chelsea, here's what I'm saying to the person out there listening. And somebody's going to get mad at me, but I got to say it. Because I want them to feel God's love. Oh, and I'm hoping I don't break down <laughs> when I say it. Having a daughter that's not my biological daughter taught me something. Because I have a biological son. And please don't get mad at me what I'm about to say. Biological kids are overrated. Here's why. My daughter, I wasn't her biological dad. So she used to call me Mr. Joe. And as I built trust with her, she started crying because she wanted to call me daddy, but she couldn't. And she didn't know why. So I, loving her, said, you don't have to call me daddy. I know you love me. Don't worry about it. 
but how come I can't? I said, no, I said, I said, don't worry about that. I know you love me. I love you. That's all that matters. You don't have to call me daddy. Chelsea, until she did. And when she called me daddy, I lost my freaking mind. And Kim said, dad, why are you getting so emotional? Because faith called you daddy. I said, because you ain't have a choice. Come on. I'm all you knew. I earned the title of daddy. And it sounds different coming out of her mouth than yours. Because she didn't have to choose me. I chose her. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't force her to choose me. And for those out there listening, he wants you. Come on. He wants you. He loves you. He wants you so bad. And there's nothing you can do about it. But he won't force you. He's asking you, will you call me Abba? You're my adopted. He didn't say my biological, my adopted. I want to be your father. Will you receive me? Tell me. To me, that's what I'm telling your listeners. There's nothing you can do to separate him from your love, from his love for you. If you knew how much he loved you, you'd be running to him. You don't have to run away from him, but he's patient and he'll wait. But when you come to him, you have to come to him in truth. You got to come to him with humility and admitting what you know has been keeping you from him. And he will forgive you and he will accept you and he will call you his own. You're already his. He just wants to receive you. And he's waiting. Will you let him in? And I'm telling you, let him in. Let him in. It'll change your life. There's nothing else to be said left of that. So that being said, uh, my inbox, my DM, my messenger on the podcast works. If you find Dr. Joe Martin, his inboxes work. We'll get you where you need to be if you're ready to let him in. Because thank you so much. You know, Penny tapping in here. Shout out to Penny. Penny <laughs> I'm gonna have to stop sis. using that big cuz loosely, right? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> shout out to her. But I thank you so much. I really do. I mean, I have always admired you, what you do. You truly were one of the first speakers outside of mommy that even at a young age, we would actually listen. <laughs> they had the family using things. And mom was like, oh, you know, your cousin Joe speaking. Oh, we'll go. okay, we'll go, you know. And I appreciate you for that because the, the, the niche that you have, that you have taken it by storm and you are truly being just obedient to his word and his calling. So I thank you so much for time that I know is limited, that you decided to come on and bless the pod, especially and specifically, it was not by happenstance that it was on the two-year anniversary. So I, I love it. I love it. I thank God you. God be the glory. And thank you so much, Chelsea. I'm so proud of you. And you know, I'll do anything for you. So all you got to do is ask. <laughs> for sure. Before we go, I want to cover you. I want to cover everybody. So if everybody could bow down. Please, Heavenly Father, we thank you right now just for what we've seen and what we've heard, Lord God. We thank you 
because it's not by happenstance for this day or any day that we would come here and join together, Lord God. You bound us by family for a simple reason, just like this. Somebody needed to hear it, Lord God. You bound us by family, Lord God, so that we could be your vessels for somebody to get a word through, Lord God for that person that's straddling the fence, that's going back and forth, that's hopscotching, trying to trust you, Lord God. Help them to hear you whisper yes. at me in, Lord. Lord. We thank you right now and pray a special prayer for Joe, Lord God. Touch him, Lord God. Build him up where he's weak, Lord God. Continue to strengthen him where he's always strong, Lord God. I ask that you help spread him across, Lord God, and his name and his mouthpiece go even further beyond, Lord God, so that your word can be glorified, Lord God. Help him to continue building these strong men, Lord God, so that he can be the head of these families, Lord God, to increase the family, Lord God, strengthen the family, Lord God. I ask that you meet every servant leader at their point of need. We don't need to know need, Lord God, but you know, so I ask them at their point of need. We thank you. We love you. And we praise you, Lord God. Help us you to put on the whole armor of God, Lord God, not just the halves, but the put-ons, Lord God. Help us to have every last one of them in singular form. But most of all, help us to continue to be lights so that those that may not know you can find you. And yes, in Jesus' name, we'll always pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you. Love you, love you. Love you. I love you. And you are now a part of the Servant Leader of family. The Servant Leader family. I, Come I on now. It. I made it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love you guys and I appreciate you, man. We All thank right. you guys for listening. And we're going to see you guys next time. Take care.